0: especially muted it looks like i just gave kathy an electric shock (laughs) i'm (laughs) shocked
1: to drawing a dialogue presents my name is kathy g johnson and i'm remus jackson we are cartoonists scholars and educators on regular episodes of drawing a dialogue we put comics into historical theoretical and educational contexts on these special special dad presents episodes we share interviews with scholars artists and community members I teach K-12 through students in schools in addition to alternative educational settings, and I'm a thesis professor in the Visual Narrative MFA program at Boston University. I have three graphic novels out in addition to self-published works. My newest project is a webcomic titled Charger County. I have a master's degree in art education. And
2: I am a PhD candidate in the University of Florida's English program. Uh, I also have a master's in English from UF. My research focuses on trans embodiment and experience in comics and zines and museum studies. Um, And I also make self published comics most
1: of the time. So, what are we doing today, Remus?
2: uh today we are kicking off the uh trans cartoonists in the diy scene series so if you have no idea what we're talking about uh we did a whole episode where i talked about uh my dissertation and what this is going to be that is episode 53 it came out on friday um and this is the first interview with uh Emma Jane, who is a absolutely fantastic uh cartoonist, and I'm like super excited to share what we talked about.
1: <laughs> it was it was a great she it was really awesome. Yeah, she she's really great. Got into
2: it. I'm gonna just read the bio off of her website. So Emma Jane is the Ignatz and Prism Award-winning cartoonist behind LSBN or lesbian, uh Trans Girls Hit the Town, and more. Um, and we have known each other for quite a long time at this point (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: so um, all right that is the intro
2: that is the intro
1: and now all right so it is
2: sunday november 19th it is about one o'clock my time two o'clock your time um and i'm gonna go ahead and get started thank you for joining me today um so my first question for you is um, how would you describe your relationship to comics as a trans creator and or as a reader?
0: Ooh, as as a trans reader or just a reader?
2: However you would like to interpret it.
0: Yeah, I guess comics have kind of always been around in my mm-hmm. life. i pretty sure I started with just reading newspaper comics and like my family would always set them aside because they knew that I liked them. That's a very cute origin story. Um, but I think in middle school, I got into Ultimate Spider Man as like queens do. Mm-hmm. And then when I, in high school, I'm pretty sure that was when I read Bone and I realized that comics could be like not either newspaper comics or superhero comics. And that's when I became a lot more interested in like, um, broadening my horizons Mm -hmm. when it comes to comic stuff all that was in college
2: college gotcha and is that around the time that you uh Mm -hmm. started drawing comics also
0: oh i i was drawing comics since i could i don't know, probably fifth grade i was always Mm -hmm. drawing literally as long as i could remember like this is not supposed to be like ooh, a wonder kid story (laughs) um it's like i remember my kid My kindergarten teacher, like during a parent-teacher conference, like called me over to the table with my mom and like asked me to draw a human being. And it's not like I drew a great human being, but like she told me to stop once I got to the fingernails, which was apparently above the level of a kindergartner. And I really wanted to work in animation for a really long time.
2: Okay,
0: I think ultimately. Uh, things worked out better because, you know, it's not like being a full-time cartoonist is a particularly great gig to have. Uh, animators seem like they have a rougher. Both bad, <laughs> but rougher. And I'm already going to have hand problems. That's just a given. Or, oh, I mean, as far as queer comics go, yeah, like, I didn't realize that I was queer in any capacity for all, like all, what feels like a long time to me, because I was pretty miserable for a few decades there. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember, like, one of my friends made me read *Love and Rockets*, and that was like, to it's to this day, it is maybe my favorite comic I've ever read. Particularly Jaime Hernandez's stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, no offense to Gilbert, this isn't supposed to be like a Gilbert dunk cast, <laughs> but. Um, I mean, stuff is what really resonated with me. I remember reading um, like the Maggie and Hopi stories and also reading Fun Home and feeling incredibly weird. Fun Home especially was weird because I felt like the sensation I don't think you're supposed to feel when you read that book, which was like envy. Mm. I don't think I um, I didn't really recognize it as <laughs> envy before, well, until years later, but it was like man, I wish I could date women. I'm doing that. What's happening? Um, and you know, it turns out oh yeah, there's also this is uh, probably way more lore than you wanted to get into. Not at all. But like throughout my life uh, like in high school especially in early college like my friends would always make fun of me <laughs> because I would be crushing on people and they would be like, I don't know what to tell you. That is clearly a dike. You have no shot. <laughs> uh, there's that, like, Weezer song, Pink Triangle, and they would sing it to me all the time.
2: That's So, so that mean. was
0: fun. Uh, uh, joke's on them now.
1: <laughs> That's Look true. Now. Uh, it's amazing how um, sometimes our frenemies know our truth way, way before we know our truth. Yeah.
0: Um, so I guess the big twist in the story that you will never guess is that uh, it, it ends. Uh, it turns out that I'm a huge transsexual. There's that. Uh, shocking, And that made a lot of things. A lot of things made more sense in my life. I think, oh no, especially muted. It looks like I just gave Kathy an electric shock. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shocked. <laughs> I'm shocked. And I had no idea. Uh, right. So that is about when I started to read the comics with explicitly queer textual elements. Gotcha. And it's weird. I can't really think of too many trans comics I read before I started making them. I think the only two I actually had read were Titty Top Boob Slash by Higu Rose, which like I love that book. And I guess it's not weird for me to latch on to that as someone who isn't trans masked but is still trans. But like, I don't know, that was a big deal for me. And I think The Pervert by Michelle mm. Perez and Remy Boydell were, was like the big one. And there's one scene in that book that uh, I think about. Yeah, there's a couple of scenes I think about all the time. But the John Arbuckle threesome is one I think about all the time. but is not related to the stuff I would talk about today. Um, I was going to talk about it later, but I, I can just talk about it now. Uh, yeah, there's a scene totally. in there where these uh, two trans women are walking and they're having, I forget if it's burgers or sandwiches or whatever, and they're just like, do you want to like take this sandwich knife and like chop each other's dicks off? And it was like, oh, you can write, trans characters that feel real and maybe that being the thing that made it click for me is is kind of telling about the person that i am but like that's i, don't know, I think it's such a huge part of the trans experience as far as like coping with body dysphoria by making very grisly uh dismemberment jokes
1: mm-hmm. when i say
0: it out loud that's so much worse than it is but like it's very therapeutic
1: I mean, the other one is
0: titled "Titty Top," "Boot."
1: Yeah, I was gonna say say that is definitely a
2: theme.
0: (laughs) You know what's so amazing about that book, and it's like the smartest part about it, it's probably that the cover, like, has a self-portrait on it. Yeah, but then the background is just a close-up of ground meat, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that is like, yeah, that that is just a potent encapsulation of how you feel about this characteristic about yourself that completely mismatches your identity. It's like, man, I don't know if anyone has made like an alien ripoff or like the chestburster is like a dick. I mean, like it already is kind of a dick, but that's not like the point of uh, Alien. (laughs) Someone's definitely done a trans read of Alien. Anyway, comics. (laughs) Uh, i think trans comics there are a lot more of them now and there's a lot more to talk about
2: yeah kind of piggybacking off that um because you were kind of i think we were kind of talking about this and when you were talking about like when you mentioned that the pervert was like this instance of like oh people can write trans people who are real i guess one how do you think about trans representation in comics or in media and then, how would you place your own work into that landscape? If you would place your own work into that landscape,
0: I um, I don't think I'm al- alone in having kind of a distaste for the term representation.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But like, if the assumption is like participating in it, I feel like most of it is pretty, bad. Um, <laughs> as far as like, especially in comics if the big two are going to make like a trans superhero or something and they might have and they probably have I'm sorry maybe <laughs> it's wonderful but it's just it feels very cynically to market to an audience and not necessarily like accurately representing the trans experience And well, not like every story about a trans person needs to like be about transness but it's also like I don't know. It's just very flat. Mm -hmm. Someone, I don't know who said this. Uh, Someone very smart said it feels like trans in form, but not in function or rather queer in form, but not in function. And that just really encapsulates how I feel about a lot of, um, trans representation and mainstream stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's why indie comics are so great because, um, it's a lot of trans people making what they want unfiltered and something that I like to, I would like to see less, I think is, I don't know, like the story of someone transitioning or like trans auto bio about transitioning. Mm -hmm. And I think those stories have value, but I feel like it's what a lot of the Trans experience has been reduced to. It's, uh, I feel like the relationship with trans narratives kind of has parallels with, I don't know, romance stories in that they get together and it's happily ever after. And then it, with trans stories, it feels like they transition. The people who accepted them are going to accept them, the people who aren't, aren't. And then that's just the rest of their lives. And I I understand the focus on that as a trans creator, too, because it is likely to be one of the most intense emotional experiences you have in your life, depending on circumstances, of course. But just, I don't know if there's, there's not a ton of other life events where I feel like you have to, it feels like every single relationship in your life that you hold is now going to be subject to this test. Mm -hmm. And it's like a measurement of not how good the relationship is, but like it's, it's brittleness, I guess. Mm. And yeah, it's, it's all intense. And I think a lot of time spent pre-transition is like thinking so much about transitioning that once you get there, you haven't thought about what comes after Mm. because like not that transitioning really ends per se but like there comes a point when you are you know you've you've gotten sort of what you're going to get out of hrt and that kind of stuff and you've kind of figured out what works for you and what doesn't and then you just kind of have to live a life and that's so much longer than it takes to transition Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and that is to finally bring it back (laughs) (laughs) it's the kind of stuff that i i want to see because It doesn't take very long to feel like a trans elder. Like I was just talking to my friend last night and she started hormones like two years ago. And the years there's all these, I know young trans people. that are like, you're so wise. It's just like, no, I've been injecting estrogen into my leg for, you know, 800 days. (laughs) I'm not special.
2: Um. Yeah. And I think I've seen, you know, in your comics, there's not a lot of transition involved, right? You're often working with folks that have kind of been living as as trans already for various points of time. And uh, often, especially centering around relationships between trans women in particular, right? So platonic Mm -hmm. friendships, sexual friendships, romantic, uh, like in lesbian. Um, Could you describe your approach to depicting those relationships? feels like cheating um uh, because you're never gonna believe
0: this uh most of my friends are trans Whoa! <laughs> so what? Like, wow, whoa, whoa. <laughs> uh, if i'm going to write dialogue that sounds like the people i've talked to on a regular basis it's going to be you know trans people mm-hmm. uh, but it's also i don't really think about this as much anymore, just because like I like to write about trans people, but mm-hmm. initially, what struck me about that scene, the pervert, and it's something that I didn't really expect people to find special about trans girls at the town was that there's this thing that happens, especially when cis people include trans characters in their work. It's that like this queer person doesn't know any other queer people, mm. which I mean can't happen. Especially if you're in a small town, you could easily be the only trans person you know and have ever met. But when there is an option, I feel like queer people usually tend to find each other. Mm-hmm. And I have like a very biased um, view of this probably because I made comics with a bunch of my friends in college and we had a great time. And then five years later, we discovered we all transitioned and... All of us were very cis and heterosexual at the time. Mm-hmm. We were right about that. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just like, I'm just going to talk about shit I've seen recently. I watched um, Knock at the Cabin. Oh, boy. Recently. Yeah. Oh, maybe it was also film critters that were talking about it. But just like the idea that there are these two gay men who appear to live in a major city and like they speak as if there isn't any other gay person in the entire world when it comes to like deciding to save the world or not it's like that's weird uh not bad for a Shyamalan movie though uh, there's there's been some bad ones but that, that one's not bad I like that one comics yeah. oh, again
2: it's all connected we can talk about movies if we want we can talk about anything it's the
0: greater media landscape
2: right exactly uh,
0: so how do i approach it uh this is and it feels kind of bad to admit because i didn't set out to accomplish something mm-hmm. with trans girls at the town it was explicitly to make something that simple to me Because I was at the point where I really wanted to table at comic shows. I'd been working on this graphic novel that is good for what it is, but is a lot more amateurish than my stuff now. Um, And I'd spent like three years working on it. Uh, I learned a lot, but you probably shouldn't do that. But I was like, okay, um, what is something I know a lot about? It's being a trans woman hanging around trans women. So... I guess I'll do that. Um, this Genesis was just the Mark Muffalo joke. That was basically entirely it. Uh, it was on the drive home from a uh, small press expo in like 20, 2017 or 18, maybe. They were just like <laughs> at a rest stop on the Ohio Turnpike. And I was just like, <laughs> Mark Muffalo. Which sucks. He, like, better not do anything really problematic. Um, Mark Ruffalo. Mark Muffalo would never dare. Yeah, never. So I was like, well, there needs to be two trans people who want to make the joke Mark Muffalo, and we'll work from there. (laughs) And so I just, like, sat down and cranked out, like, what if these two friends just had a night on the town? It'll be a little 35 pages I can finish it before shows next year. And then, like, it resonated with way more people than I expected. Um, didn't, I didn't think I actively didn't want cis people to like it or, like, not really understand it. And that might be just overstating how inaccessible it actually is, because it, it probably is pretty accessible. But I don't know. I explicitly wanted to make something for the other trans people. Mm-hmm and it has weirdly impacted a lot of cis people as well like there will be I've, I've had some people come up to me and be like oh you're even though this comic's very short it made me like completely change my understanding of my trans sister and there's a deeply evil part in my brain that's like this wasn't for you but at the same <laughs> at the same time it's like no that's that's still good um I guess
2: it's still yeah i mean i think that's interesting um do you still feel like with your newer stuff do you still sort of feel the same way like you 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 feel sort of a tension with um having like a cis audience i think
0: less than i used to Uh, i think it is because the stuff that i'm currently making Mm -hmm. is a lot less to do explicitly with transness right just because um i don't know that's, that's also not what i got into comics to do per se sure but um, i don't think i'll ever be able to stop writing about trans people but it's also not you know it's not the only box i want to fit in i, I would really love to make like really distressing science fiction <laughs> Actually, oh, and I think that's kind of surprising to people because um, I feel like, I don't know if you believe in the immutability of the deep soul of the artist manifesting in the work, no matter what. <laughs> Maybe it is like how my comics feel is like the person I am, but like it feels like the stuff I make is totally opposite of me as a human being. <laughs>
2: Interesting.
0: In what way? I am just a deeply pessimistic person. I like and I never ever want to make something that someone could describe as saccharin. And I worry about that constantly. Like I I think my work is generally pretty upbeat. Mm -hmm. And people do like that about it. But I don't think people understand how that's so against my, I guess, storytelling instinct. Like, I I adore, I adore tragedy. I think it's, like, the most beautiful and meaningful fiction that you can make. At least I like it. I, I understand why a lot of people don't like it, but for me, this existing just has this, like, horrible buzzing in your soul all the time, just waiting for absolutely everything to fall apart. So there is something to be said for stories where it does, and you just don't have to carry that anymore just for a little bit. And everything is horrible, but at least you know it is. And I think almost everything I write starts with like a bad ending. (laughs) like sometimes to the point where it's like this doesn't even make sense story-wise <laughs> it's just that you know if, if i had my way and i guess i do have my way still uh, this is what i would do but i wrestled with that a lot and actually when i was making lsbn i was really wrestling with this idea of i don't know what's the utility of art that is not hopeful in a world that does not need any more hopelessness, and I don't really struggle with that anymore because uh, I, I don't believe art has to have a concrete use. and also, like use to one person is different than use to another person. Mm-hmm. And it turns out i I like I like stuff that makes me feel like absolute shit um, <laughs> and. That's why I feel like it's weird that I make the stuff I make because, for me, it's almost an exercise in not being myself.
1: Mm.
0: And I think part of it has to do with it sounds like I'm in therapy, but now my my partner is just this deeply resilient optimist, and you know she's an enigma to me. I mean, not really, but like she possesses an optimism that is unfathomable and unfathomable to me as, a, as an individual. And even if I don't agree with it all the time, I see its usefulness. And also it's correct more times than I want to give it credit for. Mm. And I think maybe that's kind of what I try to do with my work. Like I'm trying to be better about not being such a sad asshole all the time.
2: I think that's really interesting. Um because one of the things I noticed in uh LSBN Lesbian, um I was really struck by how like the opening incident of that comic is that they've built this powerful mech to fight monsters. But it turns out that like we just talk to them and they're actually chill <laughs> and really like, we don't need to fight them at all. Um and uh so basically, like once we figure out how to talk to them, they stop being monsters, um, which felt very like, I mean, like a hopeful message, right? Or like, um, so I'm super curious, like, sort of on the same train of thought, like you can talk specifically about LSBN or maybe about anything else, but do you how would you describe your like the politics of your work like does that continue the same sort of um uh sort of like tension you're describing between like your natu- your natural pessimism versus like writing things that feel optimistic or is there like something else um that you think describes your politics and your work
0: i think the the weird thing about lsbn is that that aspect of the plot was not originally intended to be something optimistic like i thought it was a deeply funny and deeply bleak (laughs) joke that like there's like a kind a very comedic aspect and like not only can we talk to these beings we don't understand but government is like well we should stop killing them and also like we made this giant weapon guess we won't need it anymore let's throw it away (laughs) in this like fucking upside down world where a government would ever do that but um, it didn't turn out that way no matter what whenever I make something it never turns out like I expected to <laughs> and that's why making things is so interesting isn't it mm-hmm. uh, because you know, LSBN also wasn't supposed to be like an anti-war thing either explicitly mm-hmm. even though it's it's weird in hindsight like oh, oh, duh, that is on the face of it. Because, I mean, not that I'm pro-war. Sure. I think uh, war is just horrendously evil and shit, uh, basic human de- decency and all that. I'm not, like, I'm also not completely a pacifist. hmm Or, like, it's not that I think violence is never the answer, and that wasn't something I was really trying to engage with, per se, with LSBN. Mm-hmm. But then it kind of... Um, Ended up having resonance in a different way because so the context in which I like wrote LSBN was it was autumn of 2020. Uh, I was just wrapping up Trans Girls at the Field. I was um, super depressed uh, because a lot of people were depressed in 2020 for some reason. Hmm. Odd.
2: Can't imagine why. I, I don't know.
0: For, for future, uh, for future listeners, the, the COVID pandemic is. Dangerous. Oh, that's some what you're reason, talking about. Yes, a <laughs> hundred years from now, in the year 2020, there was a. Uh, it was really fucking horrible. I don't know if I can swear in this, but I'm swearing. Uh, <laughs> you can swear. It's okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I was feeling incredibly hopeless. Mm-hmm. Um, not even necessarily like from an isolation standpoint due to quarantine and that kind of stuff. It was much more of a loneliness brought on by I don't know, it feels like this thing that sort of intangibly started to spring up in America in 2016 which I guess for future listeners who do not have the context like I don't know the Trump presidency really like fucked up kind of like the baseline how human beings treat other human beings. Mm -hmm. Although there is something to be said about like, I don't know, like it didn't make people worse. It just made people stop pretending that they don't have a lot of hate in their hearts. Uh, That's kind of beside the point. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, I don't know. It, It was from this kind of feeling of flailing loss where it's like, I, I started transitioning shortly after it was like, uh, it was summer of 2017, I believe.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And that was already a turbulent time, kind of socially for myself, because I don't know, you're transitioning. Mm-hmm. You're seeing like how your coworkers are going to treat you for the rest of your career. Um, if your family still wants you around, if any of your friends like secretly suck really bad, uh, and there was also that on top of like the, the pretense of hiding rampant bigotry and some people becoming just like completely falling away. So this kind of feeling of, I don't know how many people I have in my life where I feel like really certain about where I stand with them
2: mm-hmm.
0: and like connection with other people. This thing that's like so important to living a life that makes you satisfied, human connection seems so fraught. Uh, and in hindsight, that's a really beautiful way to contextualize the choice to make uh, someone figure out how to talk to these monsters. Mm-hmm. And so they stop being monsters. But if I'm going to be honest with you, it started out as like a um, a fa- a very bleak joke, and the desire to make something, again, Completely um, completely straightforward. I don't know. Make up a, an excuse for these women to have sex in a giant robot. Won't that be fun? <laughs> Won't that be a fun thing to draw to distract me from my woes? Uh, and I think it came together thematically more than I ever expected it to. And kind of like more than I realized until, I don't know, half a year after I released it. Mm. oh wait no that's like now Uh, no I have I think subconsciously maybe I'm smarter than that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know maybe I'm not so I think like even if I wasn't necessarily explicitly thinking about it that book really is about like I don't know making connection when human connection is not assured
2: yeah and I mean thinking about what you were describing about human connection um you do often work with other trans creators um you know whether in comics and i'm thinking about like uh pseudonym jones contributed to trans girls hit the field like sloan uh leon, leon colored lesbian right um but also like i know you used to do the podcast with Carter Monier, right um yeah <laughs> we should be friends um could you tell me a little bit about your relationships with other trans creators in comics?
0: Complete accident, falling ass backwards into it, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I love it. I love that for myself. A lot of it had to do with a lot of it had to do with me meeting a bunch of other cartoonists in college that happened to be trans and then and just kind of organically mm-hmm. I from there. And I don't necessarily try to seek out uh, other queer people to help me on my work. It's just like kind of who I end up knowing. right? And I also love to give my friends money. Um, If I'm going to, I don't know, work a full-time job that pays okay because I could not make a living off of making comics, then at least I'm going to like, give money to my friends who are trying to make that happen for themselves i I think while you mention it letting pseudonym jones like kind of just have free reign with a few pages of trans girls at the field was very satisfying in that like i've always really really admired her work and i mean i still wrote that part but other than that i was like truly do whatever i know you'll do great and i'm always so honored whenever I work with these other cartoonists I know, because like, dot, by default, I assume almost anyone who isn't me is better than me at what I, I do, um, because that is probably self-esteem. I don't know. I just have a lot yeah. of respect for the people I know, and I'm just incredibly blessed to know such talented people.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um... And do you feel like there is a trans community in comics? And then, like, if so, how would you characterize that?
0: That's interesting
2: because
0: in the independent comics scene, I would say, like, every year it feels like there's certainly more trans cartoonist contributing work to, like, the body of independent comics. But I don't know if really, I've seen a really concrete community Mm -hmm. around it. Like, uh, sometimes you'll see it with a certain micropress or something. I mean, I was a part of Disket Profs, which made a point to uh, explicitly print stuff by queer creators and, like, 95% trans creators. Uh, I know Silver Sprocket intentionally or not they have to it has to be intentional <laughs> they, they, they put out so much queer stuff it's like i don't know every three months they put out like a comic by some trans dude that made the best thing i read all year
2: it's really <laughs> messed
0: up how good their track record is with that mm-hmm. like hot damn but um yeah it's interesting because i don't necessarily feel like the independent comics community is. A, a community per se that sounds like really really shitty when i say it like that but to me it it feels like um i don't know you have a group of friends and there are people you mm-hmm. know and like you meet friends of friends but a lot of the times it's not like we are all centered around this one specific like group or organization mm-hmm. and i think the cartoonist co-op is Like, trying to be that. And that's really cool. Um, And I did a um, queer spaces panel at SPX this past year. Mm -hmm. And the um, person running it, Rob Kirby, was talking about what it was like being a gay cartoonist, like, back in the day when he was starting to table at the show and just watching the amount of queer participants grow. And I think, hmm, well, he described, like, all of the gay cartoonists like being clustered together in one corner where it felt like this little homosexual utopia. He didn't use those words. That, <laughs> that's just what I would say because that's how I talk. But I think uh, I think a side effect of the fact that there are now so many queer people in comics is that it doesn't feel like you could put them in one place either. So it's, um, it's kind of a trade-off. Like good and, and bad, in a way.
2: What would be, like, your ideal version of, like, a, a queer or trans community in comics, do you think?
0: That's, that's really... Tough. I think there's a part of me that's kind of jaded mm-hmm. about something like that, and I don't think it is fair to boil something down to, like, how things go on a discord. <laughs> but like there there's a I feel like there's only a certain amount of people that you can get together around a common interest that aren't like already a a group of real life or at least just close friends
1: mm-hmm.
0: until like there's drama I'm calling a drama like really what's the word I'm looking for here? Drama feels like a quaint word for it. Because sometimes it really is just, I don't know, relatively pointless inviting. Mm. (laughs) That makes it just a generally unpleasant space to participate in. But I I don't know. And there's a part of me that just wants to be a loner in that respect. But ideally, I don't know. Uh, People treat each other with respect and don't feel superior to or jealous of others Mm. and are all very excited about one another's work. But I think a problem with queer people is that we we have a lot of other problems (laughs) in our life that like make it so that I don't know, maybe we don't deal with these online social situations in the best way. Mm. Due to extenuating circumstances. Sure. And I also think that can also be mitigated by an in person community. Mm-hmm. But that's another big problem because, especially for me, it feels like all the cartoons I know are scattered across the country. Mm-hmm. Like it felt really nice because it felt like I knew, I don't know, uh, some really, really great cartoonists that lived near me and now they've moved away. And it's just like, wow, now everyone's scattered again. Um, and shows can kind of feel like a glimpse of what that could be. But it also isn't because most of the time they're fleeting enough for learning to be enough time for, I don't know, interpersonal conflict to make things spiral out of control. And also, mm-hmm. it's an altered state because everyone's so fucking tired. <laughs> yeah. And then, oh, Man, what am I getting at? What What would the ideal be? The deeply cynical part of me is just like I don't know, not possible. <laughs> I don't, I don't trust people enough. That sounds shitty, and I don't want to be shitty.
2: It's okay, you can be that. I don't think it's shitty.
0: I just want everyone to be be good and reasonable and fair to one another. Yeah, and that's almost impossible to do as human beings because we have like you know emotions (laughs) right (laughs) and we hurt people even when we Mm -hmm. don't mean to or want to and i also like i this is wow how to bring this background i love having that in my work actually Mm -hmm. i think it's really important for there to be stories where queer people hurt each other not in a like um (laughs) yeah, fucking conflict. But in a way where it's like uh, you hurt each other. You're just going to. You're always going to, even if you try not to. And sometimes by trying not to, you only hurt people more. Mm -hmm. So you need to confront it and know that like, you can come out of the other side and still be friends with, and love people who have wronged you and you have wronged. hmm um, And I think that's why really, um, I don't know, really saccharine queer work just doesn't really do much for me at all.
2: hmm
0: Because, well, I don't know, being trans in this world messes you up. It just does. And when you're a little messed up, you can hurt people you don't need to. Right. I feel like I've said the same thing over and over again for five straight minutes, but that is how I feel.
2: No, I think that's very, um, very thoughtful. Um, and I also wanted to sort of, cause you mentioned the show space and of course uh, that's sort of something I'm really interested in. Um, what is your relationship to comic or zine fests? Um, like how do you feel about them sort of generally?
0: weird i should hate them i should hate that shit it's so weird because everyone is always really excited for them Mm -hmm. and they're always really excited when they get there like the physical act of tabling at a show is like drudgery for everyone but we still love it don't we Mm -hmm. um for me personally it was like i remember being much younger not that much younger, like seven years ago, whatever. And being like, "Wow, it would be so special if I ever got to table at a comic show and people were interested in my work." And cake was the first comic show I ever went to, and that so is I, why. it... Oh, sorry, that's where we
1: met. I think I mentioned. Shit. You yeah. What year? Aww. You were you were walking around with
0: Carta, right? Yeah, almost certainly. Yeah. I don't remember what year. It was probably 20, almost certainly 2016, I would think.
1: Yeah, it was a while ago. Oh, or
0: 2017 before I moved. Either way, I remember like I went to Cake. Oh, no, I went to Cake one time, like completely pre-transition. And then like the next time I went to Cake, it was like a trial run of being like sort of femme and trying not to feel weird about it. Mm. And it felt very awkward. And it was really special to me when like I'd gone to cake with this get press who I was working with at the time. And it meant a lot to me when I finally got in like on my own, just submitting as just my own work. And yeah, that was cake 2020 and that got canceled. So (laughs) finally in the year 2023, I did table at cake um, for the first time, not associated with any other press. Just like it wasn't, in the same venue that i kind of not idolized but i hmm, had a lot of affection for it was just like a gym somewhere and it's still kind of in
1: a gym somewhere but oh, it's a good one it's a good show it was at the yeah. uh boys town in chicago it was at the um it was at the queer and trans center
0: mm. oh that's what it was yeah.
1: i can't remember Isn't the it? name specifically but it was in the gay neighborhood the historically gay neighborhood boys town in chicago and it was in like i remember we always sort of competed with p flag mm, what is p flag parents and families of lesbians and gays it's like <laughs> old like a very old school yeah wow <laughs> so Parent funny. support group for like gay teens parents interesting uh <laughs> they have like bake sales i don't know what they do <laughs> Sorry, oh, that, I'm that venue was also no. Oh, that's
0: great because I'm remembering like I don't know why this um, weird center was just like I don't know a mole growing off this Whole Foods for some reason like a weird growth that didn't really seem like it fit in with the rest. But I mean, I guess at least you could go downstairs and get expensive coffee easily.
2: Classic, classic venue. Yeah.
0: Uh, so yeah, I I love shows. Um, even when I'm like, I am sacrificing my vacation time at work to work more on something else, and not even like working on comics, which I love to do, but just like shilling my stuff to complete strangers, which is another thing I, I hate doing. <laughs> I um, I like to be a reckless, but uh, I still do it. I see like my favorite people in the world a few times a year and we're all together at this big mm-hmm. summer camp thing except it's fun unlike any other southern camps i went to in like middle school <laughs>
2: hmm. yeah. yeah we also met at a uh, not at cake we met at spx you stayed in mara and i's hotel room oh, was it 2017 yeah. also
0: <laughs> it's very likely it was 2017 I was, like, desperately looking for someone, somewhere to stay, and, like, I never met you.
2: Yeah, that was, Cardo was just, like, I have a friend who needs a speech.
0: <laughs> and we are like, yeah, why not? And it was me. And then it's, like, like, I I definitely, I met Ashanti that time, too, but we didn't talk much. But I remember, like, three years later, meeting them and talking to them a little more and being,
1: like, oh, yeah, we shared a bed that one year. <laughs> yep i love how convention that that relationship is yeah
0: Yeah. uh and now look at us now they're doing the color design for my next book so that's how it goes
2: yeah no for real i think there's like a huge relationship building uh aspect if nothing else
0: um and that was like also stressful as someone very early in transition because of like kind of the affiliation with trans women and serial killers Mm. that we fucking have where it's like i i could not in the privacy of my own home get a, a little drunk to calm myself down enough to like go to the bathroom and like put on some makeup without feeling like, well, this is some Buffalo Bill shit. Um, it sucks. And I yeah. was like, well, I hope this stranger is okay if we just like share a that. and I hope they don't think I'm a pervert or a creep or whatever. Uh, it was fine. And Ashanti's lovely. Mm-hmm. Is what I'm trying to say. <laughs>
2: <laughs> do you think it's different, because obviously there's so much weight to being trans in public, but like, do you feel like there's any difference in the show space versus like the rest of wherever
0: but i guess that also depends on like the amount of queer people you see on a regular basis true because maybe more in recent years but it does feel like the audience for cake cake specifically just comic shows like you can i mean not that you can tell if someone's queer just by looking at them but a lot of times you can kind of tell and there's just there's just no shortage of of them around and that's really great. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
0: And even I, I feel like coming out as trans was easier and harder at the same time like six years ago than it is now. I, I think there is more understanding than there has ever been. But there's also been more hate there's when there's ever been mm-hmm. at the same time. And what is nice about comic shows in my experience early on was like even if someone is really shitty to me there i felt like there would be people who have my path mm. whereas like you know, if you tried to like be visibly trans at a comic show in 2000 i have no idea what that would be like i are actually be really interested to talk to anyone who was
2: yeah me too
0: talking about six years ago that it's like another era something is silly but uh, things happen fast sometimes
2: definitely um definitely um okay i want to circle back um i had a question about your work um that i wanted to get to which is i really personally just really love your character designs thank and you I, <laughs> I think you are really good at like conveying like a wide range of like physical attributes that convey personality really well um so i was curious like when you design a character uh what sorts of things are you thinking about um you know like how do you kind of work through a character design uh i think
0: firstly through a very utilitarian standpoint
2: mm-hmm
0: This is way too intangible to sound like concrete advice or something. (laughs) But I my approach is that it should be incredibly difficult to confuse two characters for one another.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: It is a a problem that some comics do have. And Mm -hmm. it sucks because a lot of them are like really great. And it's easy to be taken out of the experience by something like that. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And I don't know I think I'm sure people have said I know they've said people who know more about film than I do I don't know anything about film really but like I don't know when an editor has really done their job very well Mm -hmm. you can't tell there was an editor and I think that is something I like to think about when making a comic specifically in regards to like telling characters apart any time a reader is trying to figure out who someone is that is a time they're not Immersed in the experience.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, part of it at the same time is I don't know, it's less boring to draw different kinds of things because you're going to have to draw these, you're going to have to draw these little bastards so much. So, so much. Uh, so I think I usually start with the head, come to think. No, no, I do start with the head
2: mm-hmm.
0: because uh, that is the thing. You usually see the most of a character in a comic. And I, like, lay out who, like, the main characters are and to a lesser extent the supporting characters. And, like, each one of those has to have a different head shape. That is, like, where I start. And when it comes, like, going on to the body is really hard because of how often I'm drawing trans people. Mm-hmm. Drawing trans people is, it feels kind of fraught As as a thing to do, it's um, I think that's one of the greatest strengths of comics, or like being a comics creator, and also like a really challenging aspect of it, because I mean, what's great about comics is that it feels like it is, if not the only, the most accessible narrative and visual medium Mm -hmm. that one person. Can have complete creative control over. Like, if they're trans characters in a movie, like, what the character looks like comes down to, like, the casting choice you made. Um, I don't know, like, costume design is handled by completely different people and the people working on the narrative and all that stuff. And if you're just writing, like, prose or something, don't, you don't really have to worry about a lot of that stuff if you don't want to. But with comics, it's like, okay, a trans person can have complete creative control over what this depiction of a trans person looks like. And there is not a good template for it, because it, it feels like it is a balancing act. The, I, I have a pet peeve where like trans characters are basic, like trans women are drawn exactly like stereotypically beautiful cis women. I think that's also I think that might be more common in like, Big three stuff. I remember like being frustrated with Kim and Kim when that came out for that reason. I mean, not that trans women can't look like that. It's just like ninety five percent like don't you know. A lot of the times we have slightly broader shoulders or like narrower waistlines and like stuff beyond our control that is not necessarily stereotypically feminine. Mm -hmm. So I wants to depict those things while at the same time not making something look like a a transphobic political cartoon which is extremely easy to do if you want to i do not want to do that like i don't know i i I thought about adam's apples a lot Mm -hmm. because i mean there are plenty of trans women who have like prominent ones but it feels so fraught i guess i would say fraud again Because I want to, like, depict that sometimes, but it's also just become a really easy transphobic shorthand in a lot of hateful work. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Where it's just like, I don't know what to do with this. Um, I don't know. Uh, And on top of that, I I don't really enjoy drawing the human form when it is like, man, my art history is really falling short. Like sculptures that are the beautiful human ideal, like the the classical Idealized? obsession with the ideal form. Yes, because mm-hmm. I don't know, barely anyone's like that, and if they are like that, frequently it's a pretty, it's a huge pain in the ass to maintain. Anyway, <laughs> um, oh, where was I going with this? It's just not what most people I know look like, and there's also plenty of it you can find so much work where like everyone looks like that uh, i think that lends a sense of realism to drawing trans people when you like don't try to do that uh i say having just made a book where they're like giant robots and shit but realism
2: there can be many kinds of realism
0: <laughs> there's so many kinds of realism mm-hmm.
2: I mean, in the pervert, they're, like, puppy people, but it's still very, like, real.
0: Oh, you can, you can, like, get away with, like, so many of your problems are solved when you go the furry direction. I respect it so much. It's, like, so extremely not my thing. I would love it if it was. Just, they seem to be having a great time, but unfortunately, I'm stuck with, like, real homo sapiens that is how i will say it man Pervert is a good book a
2: really good book um all right i think we have time for one more question uh which is uh what do you think is the future of comics and zines about transness which is very big i realize <laughs> it's huge let
0: me draw a line in the sand and say something very definitive <laughs> that was that was that was the joke. Um, I think we are going to see a lot of the same for a long time because I think that is kind of the natural state of things. Uh, I think I think we are going to continue to get stories about like early transition transition experiences for a. Long time because it is what is easier for trans people to write and also probably one of the most sellable trans stories that a publisher Mm -hmm. is willing to put out. But there's always going to be little freaks out there, they're never going away. They want, (laughs) they love independent comics because they can make. I don't know, whatever the hell they want. And a lot of it won't work. Uh, some of it will be brilliant. Well, that's kind of how it always is. Mm-hmm. And now there are just more trans people than ever doing it. So, man, I really want way more trans people to be doing genre work than they are. Mm. It is. It feels more labor intensive from like an art standpoint and like design standpoint, but like, Whenever there's anything about like bodies, like genre fiction about bodies, I'm like if a trans person made this, it would be so fucking excellent. Like, well, there's so much stuff. When I played Near Automata, I thought about that a lot. Like, mm-hmm. a trans person could do so much with this. But despite Yoko Taro's efforts. He said, "Well, I mean, I'll never say never," I guess, but like <laughs> That's yeah. also not the point of that game. I'm not going to just talk about video no. games. I could talk about video was, games for a long time. I was just going to say. the
1: future of trans comics. <laughs> oh. I was just going to say. That's what, kind of why the Matrix is so amazing. True. Because they out so much later in life. But you can read so much trans narrative yeah, into the Matrix system. Anyway. Let's just, let's
2: just give Yoko Taro like 20 more years. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> i mean like the
0: dude already wears a horrific mask all of the time i'm just saying like you could experiment with stuff and no one would know i am so envious by the way that he he does that i would love to have no one know what i look like
2: yeah it's powerful
0: i also wish i'd come up with a pen name (laughs) but then like you know I mean, I kind of did that when I transitioned. Like, my work is under a different name now. The other stuff, like, kind of doesn't exist anywhere anymore. But, like, once I, I hate saying it like this, but, like, once I am on the Ignatz, it's like, oh, I can't really turn back now. Because um, people, you know, not that a ton of people know Emma Jane, but the ones who do sure know that it's Emma Jane. So, I, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. trans people are so smart they're going to make some really fucking incredible comics they mm-hmm. currently are what am I talking about <laughs> I just was talking about Silver Sprocket
2: okay. the future is here baby um, what's your what's uh, like one of your most recent favorites
0: like the chromatic oh man if I call it chromatic fantasy Ooh. like blew me the fuck away uh it is so i uh when when the author was like self-publishing it i ordered like a really expensive print copy because mm-hmm. it was only going to be the self-published thing and like the the conceit if you haven't heard of it is like there's this trans there's this trans dude who is a nun and really wants to get out of this yes, nunnery
2: This one, so like
0: uh, he has sex with this devil in exchange for like basically the effects of testosterone for like four years or whatever and tries to get himself like excommunicated so he can go live his own life and it's very much this genre of thing that i don't typically enjoy and that it is a book about like someone really did just make their ocs and they love them so much and they just wanted to draw them all the time doing all these different things Except it's also incredible. <laughs> it's, it's just so fun and funny and imaginative and so beautifully rendered and truly, Like I almost cried reading it just because it is the most tender drawings I have ever seen of two trans people like being intimate with, with one another, like both sexual and just like holding each other I've ever seen. It's so moving. <laughs> um Anyway, they kill like a giant snake too. That's also <laughs> there. Uh,
2: yeah. So if you're listening to this, go buy the Chromatic Fantasy from Silver Sprocket. one <laughs> yeah, like, of the,
0: the best parts of uh, being like a an artist who works with Silver Sprocket. Now, hopefully, this lasts in perpetuity. But like kind of just get whatever silver sprocket release i want for free now which rules and like i already had a copy of chromatic fantasy from the like self published run but like mm. the silver sprocket edition has these elaborate gilded gold page bordered mm. page borders so it looks incredible on a shelf and like i don't know it took them like at least half a year to finally get me a copy like 2 days ago just because I sold out of it so fast and I'm so happy because that <laughs> book is amazing uh, I also want to sh- I really shouldn't just focus on that like I also want to shout out uh, Be Kind My Neighbor by is it Yugo Limbo? Is that thing? Uh, yeah, yes, Yugo Limbo is really uh, really sweet and grim and ad- adorable at the same time uh, that's great Leo Fox's book, Prokaryote season. It's also terrific.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Trans men are so so good at comics. <laughs> and, you know, thank, thank goodness for them.
2: Well, thank you so much for talking with me. This has been wonderful. Um, is there anything glad. is there anything else that you wanna like say or is there anything that you wanna plug for the podcast listeners? Ooh, uh, social media is kind of a
0: mess. I'm not really on it very much. Like, if you want to follow me on Instagram or something, like, you'll find out when I have a, a new book or, like, I'm going to be at a show, but, like, uh, you won't get that much else out of it because I'm, I'm a private person. I live a rich and fulfilling life, and there's a lot of beautiful things in it. But they're not yours. They mine. <laughs> I
2: think that's incredibly healthy.
0: <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, pick up LSBN. If you haven't, people seem to like it a lot. It's quite uh, good. Can confirm. Well, thank you. I think be way more excited about the thing I'm currently working on. Because I think it's way better than anything else I've ever made. Mm-hmm. And I will probably hopefully feel that way for everything i make for the rest of my life um that's the trick just always get better it's that easy <laughs> it's that simple <laughs> cartoonist <laughs> hate this one weird trick um
2: i'm gonna la- i'm gonna let you end the podcast now oh <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for speaking with us um and we will include a link to uh where you can pick up lesbian and I guess also to your Instagram in case people do want to yeah, uh, um, follow along there.
0: Well, it is like weirdly hard, I think, for people to get physical copies of my older stuff now that like, mm. this scat is not as active as it used to be. Sure, yeah. So this isn't me necessarily plugging it. It's more me making an apology. <laughs> Sorry. Everything is still... Um, everything is still available digitally yeah on my itch page go to emma hyphen jane with the y hyphen comics.com where we can find all the latest and greatest oh, oldies uh, i don't know <laughs> lsbn is not on there but I, I think it's on it's also digital um but like who knows where you even get digital
2: comics anymore
0: uh, they will figure Comicsology, like Burned to the ground or whatever.
2: It seems that way. Um maybe you can still get stuff there. I don't know. None of my friends work there anymore, so I stopped paying attention.
1: <laughs> yeah. They like... they theorized that it was absorbed by regular Amazon.
0: Yeah. So I mean, was it not already a part
1: of Amazon? It was. It was it a was... separate company yeah. that Amazon then purchased. Whoa. and And they kind of let it run independently for a while and then Amazon is like why are we paying these comics people extra we could just sell the digital books through Amazon so anyway sorry
0: cool. love that Uh, small presses forever baby don't buy Emma's book off of Amazon (laughs) I would love it if you didn't I would love it if you bought it directly from Silver Sprocket yeah obviously i would love if you supported your local bookstore but i might like it even a little more if (laughs) you bought it directly from summer sprocket (laughs) because they're doing good stuff over there and
2: you should give them your money absolutely all right well um we have one last question that we ask everyone oh wow kathy okay thank you for reminding me this one's actually really important emma what are you currently reading
0: oh man what did i just oh i just finished reading um roaming by uh jillian and mariko tamaki that book that book um really felt like in in a way it felt like it was an excuse to go to new york city and do a lot of life drawing (laughs) but extremely worth it and it's just like man when one of the main characters is just sitting in Central Park and some stranger talks to her about, like, chi and stuff. I was like, this is this is a New York thing for sure.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Someone will appear and and talk to you about random shit. It's, it's also another thing where it's, like, weird people hurting each other. When I harp on that, it sounds bad, and I feel bad saying it every time, but, like, it is... It's friends hurting each other and, like the ability to move past it and it is so good at just watching the train crash in slow motion like you can see the personalities of these three characters and there's like no way this trip doesn't end with someone hating each other's guts it's just oh man what a good book what else am i reading i could do this for like 20 minutes if you want
2: (laughs) Usually yeah, we just see. choose one, but go ahead. Let's see. Am I really a good Yuri? I was about I to ask. Give me a Yuri, Rick. Give me a Yuri you've read recently. It doesn't feel right if you don't <laughs> share a Yuri. Yeah, it doesn't feel right.
0: Uh, damn, I kind of cooled it for a minute there. I recently read um, the first two volumes of Moon on a Rainy Night. And that was like so much better than i was expecting like i i don't really go for like sweet high school stuff usually like those can be cute whatever uh the premise of this one is like there is this girl who like starts to get to know this other girl in her class who's hard of hearing Mm. and a lot of it is like about that but it's not in that really infuriating way where it's like, characters talk at a camera and be like, this is what it's like. Everyone feels like actually characters. Hmm. And like, the character who's hard of hearing, it's like, her personality is very like, organically grown from that aspect of her without a feeling like her entire personality. And there's a lot of like the deep Yuri insecurities that that all these characters always have but hers feel like very grounded in this way where I'm starting to care about this person a lot, Mm -hmm. but there's not, I don't know a lot about this really important thing. And like, how can I like continue to be close to them while fucking up, like as little as possible. Uh, It's just like, I don't know, this, this, this team learning how to interact with someone who's different from her and be like a good person. Because that's a learned skill,
1: you know. Awesome. Thank you.
2: And let's see, what about prose? <laughs> <laughs> All right. A real book? We real don't read, book. we don't believe okay. in those.
0: Well, I guess it's been a few months, but I did finally read. read We've Always Lived in the Castle by Shirley Jackson.
1: And that's another one. I won't get into it. I read text sometimes. I feel like that that one's been on my list for a long time.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. Read, read that one. I, I want um, to. That's a good book. Okay. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I
0: love literature.
2: Good stuff. Um, all right. So
1: uh, thank you so much. This is I... amazing. You were awesome. That was oh, awesome. Thank that you. Was that was great. Thank you to Downtown Boys for the use of their song, Wave of History. It's off their album, Full Communism. You can get it off their Bandcamp. camp. Um, you can
2: find this episode uh, at drawingadialogue.com. Um, you can also... Uh, drawingadialogue.com is hosted actually by Comic Art Ed, which is Kathy's really wonderful comic arts education uh, website that you can also scope... You should check out um and our podcast email address is drawing a dialogue at gmail.com this is the second time today we're recording this outro so it is getting away from me a little bit <laughs> <laughs> you're doing great <laughs> um and uh you can i'm not gonna tell anyone i'm i'm done doing socials so you can just find me if you go to
1: tinyletter.com forward slash remus jackson and sign up for my newsletter okay <laughs> And you can follow me at Kathy G. John on Instagram and Blue Sky and all those good things. Um, uh, I'm going to have citation in the citations, in the notes. I'm going to try my best to link everything that Emma talked about. But Emma mm-hmm. talks about, talked about so many awesome titles. Um, so you'll be able to find those on com. And thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Emma. Thank mm-hmm. you to Remus for starting this amazing uh, project i'm very happy to be a part of it and thank you for listening to drawing on dialogue presents um, my name is kathy g johnson and i'm ramus jackson solidarity forever bye